two of our series called From This Day Forward. It is a book based um, off of Craig Rochelle wrote it. He's a pastor at Life Church in Oklahoma City. It's a really good book. So we've taken his content, some of my own content, and we hope and we pray that this is enjoyable and helpful for you in regards to your relationships. The theme verse is based off the title From This Day Forward. It's Lamentations 3 verses 19 through 23. This is Jeremiah lamenting. It's, it's a bad hair day kind of a book. You know, he just lamented. The whole book is just lamenting. And he says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. He says, I look back on my life and I've gone some places I shouldn't have gone. I did some things I shouldn't have done. And I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. No matter what you do, when you wander off from God, even if you're not a Christian, uh, you feel that in, because part of your being is spiritual. So even if you're not a Christian, you still have a spirit in you. And so you get downcast in those moments. He says, yet I call this to mind and therefore I have hope. In fact, say those last three words with me. I have hope. And that's the whole hope of this series is we've tried to get you to understand that from this day forward means that we can have hope because we serve a from this day forward kind of a God. He gives you a fresh start. He gives you a blank page. He, he lets you look forward and not look back. Listen, you cannot unscramble eggs. So stop trying. Uh, you can't do it. If God is willing to give you a fresh start, then we must be willing to give those in our lives, especially those closest to us, a fresh start and a blank page as well. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions or the King James Version says his mercies never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. His compassions are, his mercies are new every morning. Like you woke up today, new mercies. And the Bible also says they never fail. That's some good news. We kicked off the series with this question. I asked, are great marriages even possible? And I think a lot of people have become cynical about relationships. And they say, well, yeah, Reed, you can have a good relationship. You can have an okay relationship. But nobody... Even you, Pastor Reed, has a great one. Look in, look in my eyes and hear me say this. Yes, you can. It's entirely possible, but it is not likely. It's not likely for you to have the odds are stacked against you. If you do what most Christians do, which is follow the world's way. The world is perverted. The world is jacked up. And you will end up as a statistic if you follow its way. But God has a better way. Can I hear somebody say a good amen on that? Amen. He has a better way. And we're trying to help you find that way. Here's the good news. God's for you. He wants marriage to work. He created marriage. He's all about marriage. His way is not sterile or boring. It actually works. So Pastor Craig, uh, in his book, he talks about five things that he wants you to commit to doing. He says, do these five things. And if we'll commit to doing, I want you to jot these down, commit them to memory. They're going to help your marriage. So number one, we're going to seek God. We talked about that last week. We want to seek God because God, uh, all great relationships are God-focused, are God-first relationships. Today we're going to talk about have fun and that title's a little masked right there because we're going to talk about romance today and sexuality and we're going to have some fun and all the men said, no, don't say it. Uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about that, have some fun today. The third one, next week we're going to talk about fighting fair. How do you fight fair, right? Because every relationship has conflict. JC and I occasionally have conflict, but there's a healthy way to handle that and there's an unhealthy way to handle that and we're going to talk about how you fight fair, Right? God's word's very vocal on that subject. Number four, we're going to stay pure. Do not miss this installment of the series. I'm telling you, again, the world's way is perverted. It is messed up. And it's going to mess up our relationships if we buy into that mentality. 
We've got to stay pure. And in week five, we're going to commit to never give up. We're going to talk about how relationships are enduring and how to make them last to the very end. So one more time. We did this last week. Let's do it again. Let's say them together. Week one, we're going to... Week two, we're going to... We're going to fight fair. We're going to stay pure. Commit to never give up. Now today, we're going to talk about how to have fun. And I want to establish some principles that are not in Pastor Craig's book, which I... I think we need to create these life-giving environments. I'm all about life-giving. He came to give us life and give us life to the fullest. Give us life more abundantly. That's why Jesus came. I firmly believe that in order for you to have fun, in order for you to have healthy relationships, in order for you to have romance that works, it needs to have a foundation of life. You have to have a life-giving relationship. I hope that's part of why you're attracted to this church and why our church is growing as you go, you know what, this is a life-giving place. I feel there's life here. There's a, a breath, it's a breath of fresh air. The Bible uses the word spirit. It's like there's this wind in my sails. I go to church on Sunday and like Monday's easier because I get that. Deuteronomy 30, 19 and 20 says this, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I've set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. It's a choice. Like it's not happenstance where some get it and some don't get it. It's a choice. So he says, so choose life. And that's what I'm going to encourage you to do before we get to the practical side of the message today, which we're going to get to. I'm encouraging you to choose life. Get a, be a part of a life-giving relationship. Make your home life-giving and fun that fosters that environment. So that you and your children may live. When you make life-giving choices, look who benefits. The people in your home, your wife, your kids. And that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life. So that's our first point in just a moment. Um, the Lord is a breath of fresh air. He is a life-giving spirit. And you have to connect with him. I'm telling you, you have to connect with him. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Bring in God into your marriage. It has to be focused on him. So I want to give you three life-giving principles that I think are really the bedrock or the foundation that all fun is built on. Here's the first one. If you're taking notes, jot this down. And that is that life-giving relationships look to God as the source of their life. That was kind of our focus last week. I just want to say it again because it's worth repeating. Life-giving relationships look to God as the source of life. In other words, I'm not going to put this pressure on my wife to make me happy. And a lot of us unfortunately do that. We're looking for them to play a role they were never intended to play. I had somebody ask me, they said, does JC make you happy? And I said, no, but we're incredibly happy. But she doesn't make me happy. I was happy before I met her. I'm happier with her, but she doesn't make me happy. But so many of us, we find our source of joy and happiness and love, not from God, but from someone else. We're putting way too much pressure on a person for only something God can do. That's good preaching. You can say amen or oh me or something, but that's good preaching. Like you need to put that on God. He needs to be the source of joy. He needs to be your source of happiness and love, not a person. Not a person. Don't put all that pressure on him or her. You complete me. It would be better. Listen to me, single people. It would be better for you to be complete to be a whole person before you find your partner. That would be better for you, that you would, you would be complete. So it's one whole person connecting with one whole person and one plus one, God, well, he makes one, he makes one. We're gonna get to that in a minute. I know you're anxious, hang in there, okay. Uh, we're gonna, yeah, shame on y'all, okay. All right, here's the second one. 
And that is that life-giving relationships happen when two servants are in love. When two servants are in love. So, so now, God is the one who's completed me. God's the one who fills me. God's the one who's the source of life. And with that comes this miracle of Christianity. And now I have a supernatural power to do things I was never able to do before. When I was in Austin, we had um, Dr. Les Parrott. Some of you have read Dr. Parrott's books. Um, he's brilliant. He's a brilliant psychologist. He's a professor at Northwest University. Um, has a doctorate. He's done all these research papers on relationship dynamics. And here he is with all this research data and all this genius. And he stands on our stage and he says, truthfully, you can't do any of all of this unless you have God's power working inside of you. So he goes back and he goes, listen, I, I've studied relationships. He was actually the, the founder who came up with the eHarmony system to, to figure all that out and all the uh, analytics and, and the algorithms to make matches. He's really smart. He goes, you can't do any of it without the power of God. You say, Pastor Reed, how do I serve another person? Well, when you fall in love with God, when he is the source of your life-giving environment, which was the first point, now you're able to be a servant. And by the way, you have to be. Great relationships have great work ethic. Great relationships say, I can't always look out for my own needs, but I have to look out for you. I exist to serve my wife. Amen. Wouldn't you know it? God usually puts you with somebody who is a complete opposite of you. Uh, how many of you would say that's true of you and your spouse? Look at the hands. It just, it just happens, okay? Um, so JC and I, were complete opposites. She loves kale salad. I like chicken McNuggets. Um, she likes smooth jazz. I like hard rock. She likes Broadway. I like football games. Like we're just totally, even our love languages. Dr. Gary Chapman wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. And her love languages, her number one is acts of service. Her number two is time. My number one is physical touch. My number two is words of affirmation. So between the two of us, we have four of the five. And so I come home and she's serving me a lot of times with her act of service. You're usually good at serving in the way that you feel loved. So I come home and the house is spotless and the dinner's ready and on the table. And I'm like, I appreciate that. I just want to go kiss you for a little while, right? And in the same way, um, she, you know, she knows that that's a love language for me. So she's like, I want to serve you in that way. And we actually get in a war about trying to serve each other, which is a better war, by the way. But we, we serve each other. That's always really good. And only the power of God can give you the ability to do that. So then you add this third principle, which is life-giving relationships make the choice every day. And that's where I want to dispel this myth that a lot of us have. And that is, you know, we were in love, but we fell out, right? We fell out of love. Like you're falling in and out of love like it's a ditch. It's not a ditch. It's a choice. You don't fall in love and fall out of love. It's a choice. It's a cognizant choice every day to say, I love you. Well, man, I thought I was just going to stay there. No. You have to make the choice every day. I'm going to every day let God fill my needs, not a person, not a spouse. I'm going to every day serve people, not just serve myself, and then I'm going to do it again tomorrow. It's a choice. It's a choice. Jason and I have been together 22 years. We've been married 14. And... Uh, in pretty much every home or apartment that we've had, we've had a fireplace. Come on, somebody. And we used it a lot this week, or last week when it snowed. We used it some this week, too, because it got really cold. But last week, you know, it's snowing. They canceled school. They're shutting down roads. Uh, my friend Chelsea Sands came over from Cornerstone Captures, and she took some pictures of us in the snow. And, and you got the snow that's following gently on the, on the oak branches, delicately. It's gorgeous, 
right? And we go in the house, and I've got the fire going, and it's blazing. And my good friend, Will Clay, he, he brought us some firewood, which is such a blessing. And the thing I love about the firewood that he brought us is it crackles when it's lit. So we're like laying there by the fire. We've got our feet up on the hearth. We're warming our feet. We're drinking our hot chocolate. It's romantic. Listen, I have two kids, not because I love kids. I, love, I have two kids because I have a fireplace. You know what I'm talking about, somebody? So... We're, we're being romantic, and it's just, it's beautiful, and we're enjoying each other's company. And 15 minutes later, what happens? No, the fire dies out. Yeah. Right? The fire starts to die. So now, all those warm fuzzies, we're not feeling those anymore. We're like, it's your turn. No, I went last time. You go. Okay, okay, okay. So I get on my warm winter coat, and I put on my warm boots, and I'm going outside, and I'm trying to get in the now there's snow on the logs so I'm trying to get the logs and I'm trying to load up as many as I can because I don't want to come back out so I'm piling them on and I've got like splinters in my arm and I'm coming back and it, it's just it, this is not beautiful anymore it's miserable right so I'm coming back and and I got a broom I'm trying to brush off all of the snow off of these logs I'm like hey babe come help put another log on the top I'm trying to get as many as I can and then I come in the house and I'm bringing them to the fireplace you're getting, you're getting snow all over the rug right and it's it's horrible it's miserable I'm like I'm trying my best right all that to keep a fire going if you want to keep the fire going, it takes work. And therein lies the problem with relationships. Amen. A lot of us don't want to put the effort into the relationship to keep the fire going. It's work. It's pretty. It's just work. I want to encourage you because I'm convinced that too many of us are thinking that relationships should be automatic. And they're not. They're just not. So let me give you practical ways on how to have fun in your relationships. First of verse, Ecclesiastes 9.9 says, live happily. And I love that because this is a spiritual revelation for me. Like, I kind of grew up believing that God didn't want me to be happy. He wanted me to be holy. And that I would just kind of <laughs> be bored until I got to heaven. And God says, no, 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 no. That's not what I want for you at all. I actually want you to live happily all throughout his word. He's talking about joy and happiness. God's saying live happily with the woman you love. Through all the meaningless days of life that God has given you under the sun, the wife God gives you is your reward for all your earthly toil. So he's saying, listen, I know life can be tough. I know there's days you're going, do I have any meaning or purpose? And he goes, I at least want you to enjoy your time with your wife and with your family. Look at the same verse in the New Living Translation. It says, enjoy life with your wife, whom you love. So I'm going to divert from Pastor Craig's outline a little bit. Um, it's a good one if you want to read his book. But I had this thought that if we are beings that desire to have fun and have joy and have happiness and we're to have that with our spouse, then how? What are the best ways to do that? So I've talked about before that we are triune beings, meaning we have three parts to us. So I have the body part, that's the physical part. Then we have the soul part, which is our emotions and our mind and the way we think. And then we have the spirit part. And the spirit part is the part of you that is like God. That's the part of you that will return to God someday if you have a relationship with him. It's the part of you, whether you like it or not, that will always be on a journey to find God because it's the part of you that's like him. Even atheists have a spirit and there's a honing beacon within them that's trying to get them back to him. And I believe you can have fun in all three areas, and, and that's God's intention in my outline today because I believe God wants you, first of all, and this one is primarily for the ladies, but for the men too, God wants you to have fun emotionally. 
He wants you to have fun emotionally. Long before you get to the sexual or the physical part, the soul needs to be fed. It needs to have fun. It needs to be built. And by the way, one of the primary ways that you can build someone emotionally, one of the best ways you can do this, men, write this down, side in your notes, is with your words. Amen. Just build somebody with your words. With your words. Most people's emotional tank is either emptied or filled by words. Think about church today. We sang words. You're now sitting here listening to me preach words. And I'm hoping these words are life-giving and that they're edifying and they're going to help you have a better week this week and a better marriage in the future. Words are powerful. 1 Peter 3, 8 and 9 says, Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. And that's what a lot of our homes, unfortunately, look like. We're not filling emotional tanks. We're destroying them. So what do we do? He says, on the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. He says, to this you're called. So don't be an insulter. Be a blesser. And if you do that, look what he says. You inherit a blessing. Not your partner. You actually inherit the blessing. That's a pretty cool thing. Men and women have a gate that all intimacy goes through. And that gate for most women is the ear gate, guys. If you haven't figured that out yet, that's a good one to write down as well. So men, you need to say things. That's why my lo wife loves conversations. She wants to spend time together just, what? Talking. Let's just talk, right? And every time I do it, what does it do? It fills her emotional tank so that she can then turn around and bless me and meet my needs. Does that make sense? Yes. So she needs, she needs that emotional tank filled, and I do that with my words. Tell me about your day. What was your high point today? What was your low point today? Right? I love this, this uh, picture. You may not be able to see it if you're seated far back, and it's not the greatest clarity. But uh, this, a wife wrote this to her husband. He comes in the door after a long day of work, and it said, Husband, welcome home. I'm hiding in the house with a Nerf gun. Nerf gun, here is the other one. The loser cooks dinner tonight. May the odds be in your favor, XOXO wife. I love that. I, that would like be such a great turn on. If I came home and my wife's hiding with a Nerf gun, I'd be like, it's on baby, right? Like she's, she's playing into his, his competitive nature and they're creating this fun emotional moment before anything physical happens. That's beautiful. I think you should have date nights. I think it's important for you to have date nights and they can be... When, when you're courting somebody and you're trying to woo their heart, you're really pretty good at dating. And I don't know what happens, but somewhere along the way in marriage, you're like, you want to watch Netflix? Okay, well, you want to watch tonight? And that's what date night becomes. No, you need to get out and have some fun. And it's not our Texas. You've got to get pretty creative sometimes on your date night. I've done some date nights. One of my favorite date nights that I would encourage you to do if you're capable is to relive your first date. Go to the same restaurant you went to. Share some of the same thoughts and feelings that you were having on that date, if you remember that. Another date we, we did when I was in high school is we did, I told her, I said, I'll never do dinner in a movie. That's what every other guy does, and I'm not every other guy. And one day I said, we're going to do dinner in a movie. And she was fine with it. She wasn't upset, but I could tell she was like, I thought you said you'd never do dinner in a movie. And I, I <laughs> my mother didn't know she was out of town. But I took her dining room table, and I set it in the middle of a field. And uh, a TV and about 500 feet of extension cord, and we had dinner and a movie outdoors. Aww. Yeah, uh-huh. And she's married to me now. Come on. Um, 
We've done dates where we had, we had uh, I, I got some balloons, and I put balloons all over the, the carpet. I put balloons. I put some with the helium, so they're all over the ceiling, and I gave her a, a, a pin when she walked in the room. And I said, pop five balloons, because in every balloon, there's, a, there's a, something for us to do, whether it's to, have, to dance to a, to a song. No, I can't say that in a Baptist church. To dance to a slow song or a five-minute massage. It's just, she just got to pop five balloons, and we just did whatever action was. There were some fun ones in there. So, like, there's things you can do on that kind of stuff. We've gone on scavenger hunts. One time I, I surprised her and I, t- I packed a bag for her, which is really scary. And I'm calling her mom, like FaceTiming her mom, like what, what outfit should I put in, in the suitcase? Because I don't know. I don't, and so she has to dress me. So I put all this in a bag and uh, I said, we're going we're gonna to go get a new coffee. There's a new coffee place. She loves coffee. And so I said, we're going to go to a new coffee place. So I put it in the GPS and she's like, is it in the airport? I'm like, yeah, I think it's in the airport. And so we get to the airport and of course we get on a plane. She had no idea and I whisked her away for a trip. Um, on another trip we, we took, um, I, I, I went into her bag and I stole all of her jewelry and I just put it away so it didn't have, she didn't have any jewelry. And so we're getting ready for dinner at the trip and she goes, where is my, where are my necklaces? Where are my, and then I said, hey, and I gave her the, the little blue box. Come on ladies. You know what I'm talking about? Now it was filled with Walmart jewelry, but it was a little blue box. Uh, but be romantic. Come on, get some date nights because you're playing into that emotional side. And if you'll do that, I promise you the other stuff will fall into place. Play into that emotional part. I do want to talk to you about that second area. You are a soul being, but you also have a body. So you can't have fun. Write it down, man. Physically. Physically. And can I just say there's a real art to the physical relationship. And I hope, I pray you've taken into consideration everything I've said thus far. Because a lot of us will just highlight this part. That'll be the only thing we write down all day. Hey, baby, this is what the preacher said. No, all of the stuff I'm talking about builds into this. Again, I want to say God's for you. He's not against you. But I also want to be very clear, clear that God's way is the only way that really works. So read this. His, his standard is not unclear in Scripture. We all surrender our own lustful ideas, and everybody in the room, including me, have them. But we've got to follow God's way. And when you do, there, there's just sheer joy and pleasure. There, there, I don't know how to say this delicately, but there are so many commercials out there that are they're perverted and, and they're trying to, to fix your problems as it relates to sexuality. I can just, if I can say that. And I'm convinced it's because we followed a perverted way that has no true joy. But if we follow God's way, I'm telling you, he will restore that. He'll bring that back again if that's an issue that you have. I mean, he didn't see Adam and Eve over in the bushes and say, oh, I, God. He didn't say that. Yeah, I, oh, I, God. Okay. Sorry. Proverbs 5, 18 through 19 says, may your fountain be blessed. And scripture, just so you know, continually refers to the male anatomy as a fountain and the female anatomy as a well. So he says, may your fountain be blessed. And may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breasts satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. You get this deer analogy a lot in scripture in regards to sexuality. In fact, Song of Solomon is a book about sex. Chapter four is kind of the honeymoon night. And I'll be honest, it's pretty graphic. But Song of Solomon, chapter four, verse five says, your two breasts are like two fawns like twin fawns of a gazelle that browse among the lilies. 
Again, a lot of places in Scripture, it mentions deer, which men in Texas, I don't need to explain that to you. You understand that, right? We need to be careful in our approach to sex. Sex is gentle. Sex is tender. Sex is affectionate, right? I, I'm not a hunter, but if you are a hunter, you know that you have to be, you have to be tender. You have to be gentle, right? You have to tiptoe to the deer stand, right? You, you know this, right? Because if you come in and go, hey, I'm here, they're going to prance away, right? And then your hunt's over. You know what I'm saying? I got to go any, any further on that? It's literally what the analogy is in Scripture. I'm not making that up. I could go on, but suffice to say, you don't do anything. Don't do anything that cheapens your relationships. I'm appalled and I firmly resist the world's message as it relates to sex and sexuality in movies, in television, in music. I read a statistic that 85%, 85% of sexual scenes in movies and in television, on television, on primetime television, 85% are between two people that are not married. That's what the world's communicating to us. 85% is two people that aren't married. And, and, and I'm appalled by that. Now, we've got to follow God's way. God says you can be intoxicated in love if you follow my way. It's tender. It's affirming. It's affectionate. It's holy. First Corinthians 7, Paul, who wasn't married, talked a lot about marriage and talked about He's talking about sex, and he says, and I love this vernacular, he says that I don't have authority over my own body, but I yield it to my wife. And she doesn't have authority over her own body, but she yields it to me. I even like the way that's put. It doesn't say I have authority over her body. It's saying I don't have authority over my body, and I yield it to her. And she doesn't have authority over hers, and she, so we're serving each other. So I go into that that bedroom thinking how can I bless her how can I be a blessing to her how can I serve her and she's doing the same thing with me and I think that's where God gets glory from this beautiful creation of his it goes on to say do not deprive each other it's talking about sexually except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer I love that hey let's don't let's don't have sex let's just pray all right Lord right but then it says but then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Listen to me, okay? The only outlet, if you're married, the only outlet your partner has for sexual release is you. Everything else is sinful. So if you're depriving someone of that, it says Satan's going to tempt them because of their lack of self-control. I'm not giving them a pass. I'm just saying I understand it. I got a message this week on Facebook saying that my husband has cheated on me. And the very next comment was, well, I've been paying a lot of attention to my grandson recently and I haven't been sexually active. Again, I'm not giving him a pass, but I don't know how long she's been paying attention to her grandson and not her husband. Right? We're going to follow the one with our two. He's not our two right now. So we just, we've got to be careful with that. And women... It, if men need to be careful about their approach, if that's what I'm calling men to do, be careful, right? Like a gazelle, like a, like, a, like a deer. I would just say to you, my advice to you would be make an approach, right? We don't care, we'll receive it. Just any approach, we'll take it. And if you, if, if women, if you have an ear gate, I will say that men typically have an eye gate. And so that is the way that we uh, get fired up. And the, be <laughs> the best way I can say this tenderly is... Um, that 
don't wear your grandma's flannel pajamas to bed, okay? That's not, or, or that pajamas that's like the seal suit that's like five inches thick that solar flares aren't getting through. Like that ain't doing nothing for us. He may be warm, but it ain't, ain't working for me, mama, right? Like just help him out there, okay? <laughs> Men, be careful with your approach. Women, make an approach. If you'll do that and you'll serve each other with the points I've given you, this small but powerful area of relationship can be everything God intended it to be. So if there's an emotional part of you that needs to be fed and have fun, feed that emotional side, conversation, talking, date nights, feed the physical side as well. And let me just say, that's a desire that needs to be filled. It really does. Be careful about how much denying is going on because it only frustrates and again pushes to other places. Be careful with that. The last thing I would say is that you're a body or a soul, but you're also a spirit. And I believe we can have fun spiritually as well. When you have fun spiritually, it bonds you together like nothing else. In fact, I love Hebrews 3.1. It says, brothers and sisters, you are holy partners in a heavenly calling. And I would love to look every couple in the eye and say, God designed the two of you to make a difference on this earth together. He wants you to have, make a difference with, with your partner. It's an area that most of us never experience with our partner. And you've denied a third of how God made you from really experiencing true joy and having fun. I'm telling you, you've never experienced fun until you're serving together. Get on our dream team. We call it worship one, serve one. So you're here at the nine o'clock, you can go to our Sunday school hour, our Bible study hour, and then you serve maybe in the next service at 11.30. And I promise you, some of you are gonna leave that experience and said, I had more fun serving with you, greeting at the door, or being in the parking lot, or serving with the kids, or I had more fun serving with you than listening to Pastor Reed. There's just something beautiful. Some of the most special times in our marriage has been when we've served Jesus together. So I just encourage you to, to find that with your spouse, God has a heavenly calling for you as well. Now, I want to close with this thought that I really believe God spoke to my heart. I was, I was preparing this outline. God gave me a verse that I've never taught in this context. But the more I think about it, I actually think that this is exactly the context it was intended for. Matthew 6, 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So your heart follows. So where is your treasure? Well, my treasure is my time my efforts, my possessions, anything that I love outside of my relationships, outside of people. And the Bible says wherever you decide to put that, your heart's going to follow. Okay, so if that's true, a lot of pastors will use this verse when we're taking up the offering. Okay, where your treasure is, your heart is. If you love Jesus, then I want you to give today. But I think that applies to relationships as well. I had somebody say, well, pastor, you know, my love is gone. And I began to look at other things and other people and even other relationships, and they look better. That's the classic, the, the grass is greener somewhere else. And I look at them lovingly and say, well, maybe you need to water your own lawn a little bit. Amen. Right? It makes sense to me because the grass is greener because all of your time, think about it, the best eight hours, the best eight hours of your day you're giving to your boss. And all of your emotional energy, you're investing in somebody else. And so your spouse is getting leftovers. And if they truly are your treasure... Then, then pour that into them. Pour your time, pour your energy, pour your money into them, and your heart will follow. Amen. And I say that to say this to anybody in the room who's in the give up stage. And you're like, I don't know. I don't know if this will work, Reed. My challenge to you is pour your heart and your soul, your time, your energy, and your money 
into your spouse, and in three to six weeks, your heart will be burning back there again. Bank on it. But pour into them, three to six weeks, your heart will return. I'm going to leave you with a phrase that I could easily close any Sunday with, any service. It's powerful. I've, I've used this before. Some of you have heard this before. But I want you to write it down. Is that choices lead, feelings follow. Some of you think it's the other way around. Oh, you know, if feelings lead. If I'm not feeling, if I'm not feeling you, then I'm going to make a choice. No, 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 no. I'm going to make a choice. I'm in this with you. From this day forward, our marriage is going to be different. We're going to seek God. And we're going to create a life-giving environment. We're going to have a lot of fun from now on. And I'm going to invest in you emotionally. I'm going to invest in you physically. And I'm going to invest in you spiritually. And when I do that, my feelings will follow. And all the people said it good. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus. We want to have fun. And I love that you want us to live happily, that your word is covered from cover to cover with this idea of living happily and having true joy. And I truly believe that it's not in the world's way. It's your way. It works. And so I pray today that couples would reignite that passion. We just celebrated Valentine's Day. And I know a lot of people took pictures that they posted on Facebook. And they had these fake smiles going on. Because the real reality of their home is it's not a happy place. And one night, a date doesn't fix that. We need to consistently have date nights. We need to consistently be engaging in conversation. We need to make sex a priority. We need to serve together. So that spiritually we're growing together. And that's how you have fun. That's how you create a life-giving environment that fosters fun. Help us pull that off in Jesus' name.